Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So those people who listened to last week's podcast will know that we started with a question where I asked people to name something that they hate, which is wildly popular. And this week I'm going to flip it and ask you to tell me something that you love, but everybody else seems to hate it. I've got two. Oh, have you? I love olives. I know some people hate them, but I right. honestly... Those are, those are nice. Yeah, I love olives. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> and the TV show Lost. I fucking love that shit. Sorry. Do you? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's all right. Let's go again. The last, really, was, really last, it, last was super popular in America. Too. Well, oh, everyone it, I know absolutely hated it, but I loved I it. I hate it, so yeah, oh, I, I understand. It. It. it got a bit weird towards the end, but I loved it. Yeah, yeah. it was weird the whole time, I think. Yeah, yeah but... It did get weirder. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. I mean. Thank you. <laughs> you. I'd have to go with my team. I'm a Bayern fan, so I guess uh, oh, wow. everyone despises oh, yeah. the team I adore. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. good reason. <laughs> Fair Interesting. Enough. I'll do one football-related, one not football-related. Okay. The not football-related is that I actually love flying. I love the feeling of being on a plane. I find it super peaceful and oh. philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> really, really. Even one of those like... Psh- Tight Ryan airplanes, which is basically <laughs> just a box with wings. I really love being on the planes. And the second one, it's a bit specific. Do you guys remember that uh, Man United Liverpool where it was super defensive and Mourinho basically killed the game? It yeah, was a yeah, new draw. Yeah, yeah. And everyone, like, because there was so much hype for the game and everyone went absolutely crazy afterwards. I loved the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, there's something about the defending and the angles and the, the, the system and the timing. And I, re- I was sitting there so impressed. I was like clapping. Everyone was looking at me. What are you doing? Goals right, so, right. So, yeah, I suppose uh, hyper defensive football and flying. I think that ball is on fetish, Danny. Yeah, <laughs> I really struggled with this question, with my own question, actually. So I think the answer I would have to give is Morrissey. Uh, uh, right, even yeah. I'm finding it increasingly harder to look in to <laughs> the tedious old bigot. Uh, anyway, welcome to what is the 100th episode of the One Football Podcast. Joining me on this momentous occasion is Mr. Danny Isroff. Good morning, afternoon, good afternoon. <laughs> Mr. Alex Mott. Hello. And Mr. Danielle Cadena-Jordan. Good day. That's right, we've now reached a century of episodes since our mm. very first one, which came out back in the Halcyon days of February 2016. Uh, Justin Bieber was top of the US Billboard chart with Sorry. <laughs> the instant classic movie Pride, Prejudice and Zombies came out in theatres. And Ian McCourt opened the show with a question about Kim Kardashian. Uh, <laughs> the textbook. Uh, there you go. Uh, if you'd like to share some of your favourite podcast memories with us or fire a question our way, you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com or even better, you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, we're going to start with a little review of our own today of the FA Cup final. Um, Manchester United lost 1-0 to Chelsea. Uh, Alex, a lot of United fans came away from that game feeling deeply unhappy with the team's performance. Can you understand? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was one of the worst cup finals I've ever in years, <laughs> to be honest. I think when Mourinho's reasoning for playing boring, turgid football is that he wins trophies, and when he doesn't win trophies, where do you go from What's there? What's the point, really? yeah. Afterwards, he was saying, I knew this was going to happen because Lukaku wasn't playing. Forgetting that he's got Sanchez, one of the highest played players in the world. Rashford, who looks more like an overpromoted teenager now than he did two years ago mm. when he was an overpromoted teenager. Martial has gone backwards since he's, since he's been with Mourinho. I just, I can't see him lasting till the end of next season. You know, Mourinho goes in three-year cycles and everyone falls out with him. And I just... I don't see where Man United go from here, really. No. Well, really that's my next question, actually, Danny. Where do they go from here? What, what's, what, what do they need to do this summer to bridge the massive gap between them and City? 
Um, is signing players even going to be enough for them, do you think? So I think there's something to qualify first, which is that they're, they're not actually that bad. Uh, they, they finished with 81 points, uh, made the final of the FA Cup. Leicester won the title with 81 points a few years ago, and the last time Man United won the title, they actually only had 80 points. So in a kind of vacuum, if you like, they're not a terrible team, they're not great to watch, granted, yeah. and, 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 and we're going to get to the next point in a second, <laughs> uh, which, which is that... Um, there's a lot of negativity around the club, and I think it comes for, for, from two reasons. One is the, the ginormous gap between them and Man City, who are one of the best Premier League teams there ever was, and Mourinho and the style of play and the way that players have gone backwards under him. He's managed to, to turn a collection of really talented individuals who are proven at other clubs yeah. into something that is less than the sum of the individual parts somehow. Uh, and so that suggests to me that there, there is a deeper problem than the, the, the players. He's brought in eight players. I think the only one you'd call an unqualified success is probably Matic. Yeah. Uh, yeah out, of those, out of those eight. Yeah. Uh, so... so giving him the opportunity to keep buying players uh, at a ratio of one in eight success is it, it doesn't sound like a good option to me. He's, I think yeah. at some point the, the club have to reevaluate the direction. He's been calling out Manchester City for spending 50 million on fullbacks, but uh, Walker, probably one of the best defenders in Europe under Guardiola last yeah. season. Yeah. Mendy admittedly got injured, but Man United paid 35 million for Lindelof. Mm. And where was he on Saturday? Mm. You know, mm. Man United spend money as well as, well as Manchester no, City do, but they spend it wisely. So I just, yeah. I'm, if I was a Man United fan, I'd be absolutely sick of Mourinho, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, it looks like they're going to be signing Toby Alderweireld this summer for 40 yeah. million. So that means they'll have eight centre backs at the club. I mean, how many centre backs <laughs> yeah. do you need? And, and what, what else it means is that Alderweireld will be on the bench at the end of next season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Chelsea ended a disappointing season for them on a high while winning the cup. Uh, Daniel, if we assume Antonio Conte is going to be leaving this summer, who do you think uh, they're going to get into replacing? Well, I think like the only real option out there right now, like seeing everything how the, how everything has moved and planned out, uh, probably Sarri from Napoli is like the like the strongest name. It's been probably the only name fully linked to Chelsea and no one else. Uh, if you consider Tuchel, for instance, he went to PSG, so Sarri doesn't really have a place to go to France, where mm-hmm. it was probably another uh, option for him. Um, I think it, he would be sort of the guy that. I don't know if he would fit Chelsea necessarily, but he is sort of like the best coach out there mm-hmm. that would be available at a reasonable price uh, yeah. for Chelsea. So maybe it could be him. And admittedly, he could bring something in that Chelsea's been lacking a lot, which is you know a little bit of fire on their belly, uh, a little bit of more you know um, what they call in Spanish garra, you know, like you know yeah. using a bit more of the of the visceral part. So uh, Chelsea could definitely use a little bit of that uh, mm-hmm. stimulus that you know a Napoli coach would bring to your club. Definitely, I'm, yeah. I'm going to throw a name out there. Go on. Brendan Rodgers. Wow, wow. He did a decent job. He did a very good where, job at Liverpool. Where was, where was he in the discussion for Arsenal? Manager? Yeah, he did I a very good job. Yeah, he's worked at Chelsea man. before, Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, he did yeah. a very good job at Liverpool. That is true. He's tore it. I know it's Scotland, but he has won consecutive yeah. trebles. A great job I know he, he can come across as a bit of a clown, but he's obviously a very good coach. <laughs> and they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a clown yeah. and a very good exactly. coach. I know plenty yeah. who are both. So, uh, it's... I, it looks like Sari, but I think Chelsea could do worse. He could than be Rogers. Yeah, it's not personally, but it, yeah, yeah, it looks like Sarri. It's not Allardyce, at least. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. B. Rog. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, there was another big cup final last Saturday here in Berlin. Bayern Munich were beaten three-one by Antrak Frankfurt in the DFB Pokal. Um, what the hell went wrong for Bayern, Danny? Uh, I think 
the season just was over once they were kicked out of the Champions League. Uh, their last Bundesliga game, they lost 4-1 to Stuttgart at home. It was supposed to be sort of like the end and the final, you know, the, 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 it was Jupanga's farewell game for the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Well, second farewell game for the Bundesliga. They lost terribly. The cup, I think, was just, uh, you know, proof that Bayern are already thinking about the World Cup. Their players are not that interested anymore in uh, what happens with the club like throughout the season because the season is over as I said so yeah I just think uh, Frankfurt were really lucky to have a team that uh, was really not up for the task Mm -hmm. Was it kind of encouraging in a way for Bayern fans that Niko Kovac your next manager has has pulled off a big result like that? Well everybody in Bayern already knew that Kovac was capable of like assembling a decent squad he proved himself this season gracefully I mean they were fighting for Champions League for half the season Uh, and it's a team that doesn't have a decent budget Frankfurt was well, they were in second division not so long ago, so you can imagine that economically, they don't have the resources to pull off something you know as big as winning a cup final and going to two consecutive cup finals if it hadn't had been for a good coach. Uh, but the feeling overall after the final was definitely that uh, it was more pessimism about the team than it was about mm. who is going to succeed us and the fact that the coach that's going to come in is the guy that's going to, you know, you know, fix things for the team. But still, it was really it was a weird feeling as a, as a fan to see the team perform that poorly. Mm. Uh, especially against the guy you know had a lot in play because Frankfurt needed him to win the cup in order for him to like you know not be the guy that left Frankfurt for Bayern and yeah. left them empty-handed you yeah. know uh, so it, it meant a lot to everybody but I, I think maybe everyone but Bayern fans really hmm. well, it was a great game it I was it. it was a good one admittedly <laughs> it was a really great it was closure and uh, I think Frankfurt deserved it in the end yeah. after 30 years without winning a title I think that's the way to do it mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it was really good for for Kovac too to leave that way yeah uh, we touched on the uh, the managerial situation at Chelsea uh, earlier. We're now going to touch on the managerial situation at Arsenal. They've got Unai Emery at the Emery Stadium. Yes. Alex, thoughts on that appointment? <laughs> um, I would have liked to have seen Arteta go there, if only to see how he did, really, just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. to be honest. But I think this is sort of an indication of where Arsenal are as a club now. They've hired a second-rate European coach. And I think he's, and they're a second-rate European club now. I know, like, Ooh. I think you can kind of disregard what he did at PSG. Like, it's a completely different set of circumstances, different players. You know, it's completely different. If you look at what he did at Sevilla, did a very good job. They did well in Europe. He also did really well at Valencia. Sort of consolidated them as the third best team in Spain. It's just underwhelming, isn't it? It's, mm. I think, yeah, Arsenal fans were really excited about something really new, really different in Arteta. And Emery, well, for fans anyway, sort of came out of left field and it was just a bit, I don't know. I'd, mm. I hope he does well. Yeah. I just don't see how he is the coach to take them into the Champions League. Um, when you've got Klopp, Pochettino, um, uh, Guardiola, Mourinho in front of him, I just, I don't know. You know, maybe it's, I know he's he's obviously really big on his preparation. He does a lot of video sessions with his players. That's something because Arsenal do look like the most undercoached team in the Premier League. So that'll be something a bit different for the players. But like I said, it just it's just a bit underwhelming, really. Mm. So I don't know. I my, don't know. My big question about the whole thing is they've had literally a decade, maybe, to to prepare for and plan for this moment. Yeah, yeah. and it seemed like. The, the the Wenger decision almost caught them by surprise somehow and that there there was no plan in place. The, the candidates being named in the media were shifting from week to week. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's like they hadn't really thought about what's the profile of manager we yeah. want for the yeah, day when Wenger goes. And, if yeah. and if your candidates are Arteta and Emery, right. what are you looking for? Right. Yeah, They're exactly. two completely different coaches, it's, aren't they? Exactly. So, different styles, yeah. And you know, you've got the, a completely new sort of setup at Arsenal now with Mislintat and Rouse and he he, he the guy from Barcelona. Mm-hmm. 
And we know Monchi's works, uh, Monchi, Emery has worked like that before with Monchi at Sevilla. Um, it could work. I mean, I think it's unlikely. If they finish in, work, the, in the top four but... in the next few seasons under Emery, I will be very surprised. Yeah, I would very as well. surprised. But... Great track record in the Europa League, though, hasn't he? So, they're yeah, yeah, again yeah. Next season. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he has an interesting appointment, and he's not a bad one. It's just not what people were expecting, I think, is what's, what's mm-hmm. really going on. Because as Alex was pointing out, it's definitely not the most exciting coach out there. I mean, the guy is cringy when, even, like, when he talks in press conferences, even. Uh, but he does have, I guess, the track record to coach a team like Arsenal, one of the six biggest budgets in the Premier League and therefore of the football world. Um, but I don't know. Like, is he a project coach? I'm not sure. Because hmm. the, the, the Sevilla team he kind of assembled was already kind of assembled. And PSG, well, you can... It's basically playing FIFA, is it? I mean, you just have yeah. a huge budget and just buy anybody you want. So where's the challenge there? Uh, and you have a league that arguably you could win without with any decent squad in, 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 in Ligue 1. But I don't know. Um I'm a bit mixed about this. Mm. He's won ten trophies since 2013. Emery, Has he really? Which is more than anyone else in Europe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, has done that. That's yeah, but to like be said. fair, if I was managing at PHC, I'd have. I'd expect to have at least eleven. Well. Yeah. What's yeah. this thing about him with the USB sticks? Does anyone know? I think he just that? he loves video preparation. He gives, from what I read at PSG, the reason that a lot of the players fell out with him was because he gave each player sort of homework to do for right. that weekend. And they just weren't interested in that. So <laughs> I, that's what twenty-year-olds love: homework. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, he's very keen on preparation, going over the, the, like the opponents with his players, which is something that Arsenal have been completely yeah. lacking for the last ten years. Probably. So it will be different, and I mm. do understand why the sort of Gazidis and those guys at Arsenal have gone for him. But yeah, it's just it's just underwhelming, isn't it? I think mm. he was. It's just like Danny said, he was available, and that that's it. They've had they've had how long to think about our successor, and it's just sort of come to this. Mm. So it's, I, I hope Arsenal fans get behind him. But we've seen Arsenal fans turn on Wenger, who's yeah, a legend. yeah, that is true. So are they going to give Emery that much time? I can't see Arsenal fan TV loving him. <laughs> no, so no. <laughs> I don't know. To be fair, those Arsenal players are probably used to getting their homework on floppy disks from Bangal, <laughs> so it's a step up from that. Just needs to discover Dropbox and he's, he's away, isn't he? Uh, elsewhere, Dortmund hired a new manager this week, Lucien Favre. Favre? Favre. Favre. Yeah, from, uh, from Nice. Uh, um, how, how, do you, how do you think that's going to go down? Well, uh, on Monday, it was one year from a kicker cover that basically told... Uh, the basically, t- basically was telling everybody that Dortmund had uh, three options uh, in uh, Posh, uh, Stuttgart, and uh, and this guy, and this guy Favre. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're like trying, they're testing their third option, which is Favre, and I think it's actually a good click. Uh, he's really good with projects. He's really good at assembling squads that actually know what they are, how to function as a as an item, which has been uh, Dortmund's main issue. Like they have this great squad. Don't get me wrong; it's a really good team, but very different profile players that mm-hmm. play at very different types of game. It doesn't really. It's not the sort of thing you would expect a team to do with that amount of mu- with that amount of money and that sort of stuff. But I think Favre is the sort of guy that would rein in the whole talent and just create this aura of uh, of collectiveness. And I think uh, you know, also interesting. There's a reunion there with Marco Royce too, mm-hmm. who I think yeah. will be sort of like the guy who will introduce him to the squad to the squad little by little and get the ball rolling into the adaptation process and uh, you know getting things working. But all in all, I think it's been a it's a it's an interesting appointment and a mm-hmm. good one too. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna disagree with you. I think. Part of the problem at Dortmund is they, they've, they've done the same thing over and over again and they, they seem to target the same profile of manager every time, which is a guy who's a bit 
tactically astute, has a reputation for, yeah, maybe even being a bit quirky, but without a, a huge big club pedigree behind him. And I yeah. think that's where the the managers falter at Dortmund in the in the the the, the past few years. Uh, and whether they like it or not, it is a big club now. Yeah, it's a it's a massive yeah. club with massive pressure, a massive fan base, big players, and they I I think they would be better off at some point targeting a manager who has experience in those kind of environments rather than going for the same profile of They've manager had a again and again. Clop shaped hole for five years, <laughs> right. haven't they? Really, yeah. Yeah. They're that big personality, you know, big time manager who thrives on being at a big club. Yeah. yeah, well, they had Tuchel, who was also yeah. very interesting. He actually won a cup uh, for them, which was, I guess, their last trophy under him. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the point being, I think they need a guy that understands how to build a decent squad and yeah. then build upon that because the team is is a mess right now. You saw him this, you saw this really impressive club with really good players, really interesting names, both young and old, uh, perform really, really great football. Uh, coming from a team like Dortmund, that was exactly att- attractive because of the fact of how they played the game. To playing this sort of football is that uh, you could tell that there's definitely a huge conflict within on how to play and what style of play mm-hmm. does Dortmund want to have nowadays because they do have this huge identity crisis. As Danny's saying, I mean, they are a huge club. They're not facing it and they're not dealing with things that way. And uh, Favre is a symptom of that, but I also think is the sort of guy you would want to like lead the way into a bigger transition. He did a great job at uh, Gladbach. He turned that club around uh, from a small relegation team into this team that is actually disappointed to not go to Europe this season. Mm-hmm. So you can see that uh, he's really good at like, cementing a base upon which to build mm-hmm. a team that could eventually like st- be stable within within European context. But I think for now, he's he's a good call, definitely. Yeah. And Manuel Pellegrini uh-huh. is back That's in the Premier League. Yeah. Certainly is. West Ham. Is that a good call, do we think? <sighs> Again, that's just a bit meh, isn't it? <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, West Ham are just such a joke club yeah. behind the scenes. The fans need someone to rally around. Manuel Pellegrini is not that man. I just <laughs> uh, like Fonseca at Shakhtar was linked. I think he would have been good, and maybe he should have been given the job. Mm. But they're just—he's uh, not going to rally the troops, is he? I mean, West Ham—they're that kind of club. We've seen like they've had—they really love Allardyce. Allardyce <laughs> isn't like the best manager they've ever had, but he's someone who will stick up for the fans, stand up to the board. Pellegrini's not a man. I read that he's going to get paid seven million a year, which is more than Klopp and more than Pochettino. I mean, that's just the most the most West Ham thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so, good luck to him. He's obviously a very nice bloke. He won the Premier League with Man City, uh-huh. but yeah. I, I think it has a lot to do with that. It's, it's a really West Ham thing to do. Like, yeah, they were had a crisis. Okay, bring in the big guns to the squad. They brought Chicharito. They brought you know a bunch of players, and everybody underperformed. I'm. For Pellegrini's sake, he might actually want to think that twice mm-hmm. because uh, like, he's in the risk of becoming that coach that you know failed at West Ham. So it was a huge gamble, I think. <laughs> and I think that's the reason he got $7 million for it because, yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous club to coach and a dangerous club to be a part of because they don't have a good track record when it comes to signing players or coaches or performing even. Mm-hmm. So like putting your name out on such and, and that sort of team could actually tarnish him more than I think it benefit him in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he does deliver, which I don't seem as likely as people Well, what think. I will say about Pellegrini is his first season, particularly at City, one of the main things he did was he galvanised the squad, got them yeah. playing together yeah. after the sort of tumultuous Mancini reign. He also has a good track record of getting smaller clubs Punching above the weight, yeah, Malaga, Villarreal. So speaks good English. Yeah, he does. Yeah, well, he speaks okay. English. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the other managerial, uh, we'll just uh, we'll just whip through this. Is uh, the Godfather himself is back in Serie A, Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. <laughs> just when he thought he was out, they pulled him back in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's an interesting one. Definitely. Um, 
just speaking of Serie A, did you hear about that uh, Vincenzo Iacinta? Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. Iacinta. Italy. He's he could go to jail for six years for harbouring illegal guns for the mafia. <laughs> wow. <that's Yeah. laughs> who else? What was uh, the other person I was this? reading? Oh, this thing about Pepe Reina. Did, did oh yeah, that he's apparently this? like he's has yeah. uh, uh, he's like linked to like Amora, which is like the Napoli oh, yeah, the yeah. Yeah. mafia. Which is apparently this. It's like a wild rumor, so I don't want to speak it as if it's truth. But <laughs> the reason Napoli sold him. Is because they he was didn't in like. With the mafia. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why he's off to Milan. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> 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 <Reported>. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one guy who I don't know whether he's uh, been harboring illegal guns is Andres Iniesta. <laughs> he's off to Japan. He's uh, he's signed for Vissel Kobe. What, what yeah. do we know about them apart from the fact maybe, that it's maybe illegal samurai swords and yeah. Maybe, yeah. katanas? Yeah. yeah. I know that their CEO is head of Rakuten, who oh, have yeah. been um, sponsoring Barcelona. Yeah, this year. Yeah. So that's obviously where the links come from. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it was a great send off for him at the week. Uh, yeah, the, the weekend just gone. Did they manage to peel him off the pitch? Yet? Just about, well, <laughs> just about, I think. Um, yeah, he's, I think he's with Messi, probably been arguably their most influential player in the last decade. I think he probably scored, Ooh, probably scored their most important goal in recent history. That goal at Stamford Bridge when they won, won the semi final. Mm, yeah. I think that. That's the sort of pinnacle. That's the sort of moment that Barcelona changed. Mm-hmm. Where that was Guardiola's first season. They went on to win the Champions League that year, and the sort of club have gone on from there really. But I think his exit is, it's it sort of speaks so badly of how Barcelona have been run recently, and the fact that a player like that who signed a contract for life eighteen months ago, mm-hmm. they you know they said to him, "You can stay for as long as you want." He has decided that he has to leave. So I, I just I think it speaks to how badly Barcelona. I think, I think it's it's more of a thing of testing new waters, trying out new things, and uh, definitely Japan is that. I mean, he's going to a league where arguably the only famous like Western player or European player that's been there is Lukas Podolski. Uh, yeah. I think it could be an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting experience and one of those last, uh, you know, money grabbers, I guess. But uh, it's not. A, I don't see it wrong. I mean, he, he devoted his life to his club, as Alec is saying. He's won everything, literally, like World Cup, Euro Cup, anything he's won, anything he's played, he has won. Mm-hmm. Let him grab it a little extra cash. Why not? I mean, let him enjoy his last couple of years playing, you know, at a different level of demand, uh, to a different experience, f- fully different experience. Is he actually going to? Be getting the mega bucks like he would at chart in the Chinese secret. No, China though. would have paid a lot yeah, more, but yeah. still, I mean, it's it's like let the guy go. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's the thing. Just to jump on 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 top of that point a little bit, I think as fans sometimes we have a tendency to view things through these very, especially player decisions through these very kind of simple, digestible, narrative-driven lenses like money, ambition new experience whatever when when the truth is uh, in in a player's decision to go to a no cl- a new club there's so many complicated factors yeah, involving yeah. probably yeah family and personal things and cases of wine and any yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever whatever it is and and to, to me it seems like in iniesta sort of a very uh, sensible grounded guy and of course if if yeah, it yeah. were solely about money he could have easily gone yeah, somewhere else yeah, yeah. uh if it you know were solely about uh lifestyle maybe he would have gone somewhere else but all these confluence of factors have led him to this decision and i think i think that's fine for him and i think it's actually it's fine for barcelona as well yeah to be honest they need to, uh, to revamp the team a little bit i thought yeah. what, what really uh caught my eye was uh the fact that he was subbed out and a player from la masia was not like arranged to be subbed in like it usually yeah, clubs I mean, arrange yeah, things to happen yeah. with sort of like a progression and that sort of you know sim- symbolism behind it they just put in i think it was andre gomez a player that is leaving that is next summer leave. so yeah. it's a uh, I don't know. It speaks volumes, as Alex was saying earlier, that of how Barca's been run lately. Like mm-hmm. the, the youth project is dead. 
uh, arguably one of their best products ever is gone. Um, they only have Messi left of the of the golden era, I guess. And it's a team that doesn't really play that much. I mean, they play well. I mean, they win, but is it really an attractive team anymore? I mean, they play yeah. dull football. Everybody's giving them shit for that. So I don't know. I think this is sort of like a closing chapter for the club. And what's left is a Messi that's 34 next year. Mm. So, you know. Yeah, with the greatest respect to our Japanese listeners, I think it's a bit of a waste him going over there, to be honest. He could have done a job at West Ham, couldn't he? He definitely could have done a job at West Ham, yeah. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on this, because uh, we'll save it for, for next week, but um, in case you weren't aware, we've got the Champions League com- final coming up on Saturday. All big ears mm. in Kiev. Wow. Liverpool v Real Madrid. I've heard a few rumblings in recent days that Real Madrid are sort of uh, expecting a bit of an easy ride. I, I would say it's quite the opposite. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like Del Bosque is saying that not one of the Liverpool players yeah. would get in the Real Madrid I mean, team. That's bollocks. I, I think it? that's just... Is that just the Spanish media being a bit silly? <laughs> I think it is them a bit, uh, being a bit silly. And I think it's... Uh, well, it, it's this air of arrogance. You've won it twice yeah. in a row. You come to a third final expecting it to win against a, a club like Liverpool that hadn't been in the final in quite some time. I think they... Do you take it for granted? And like the vibe is there, but at the same time, the way players are reacting to questions at press, like Crows and everybody's just going around how Cristiano's better than Salah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you can tell that something about Liverpool is bothering them, uh, and they're fully not—they're not a hundred fully like fully hundred percent behind mm-hmm. the idea they're going to win this game. Uh, they know they're going to have to like work their ass off to win this game, and I think they're going to have a hard ride. I mean, I don't think Liverpool's just going to you know let Real Madrid be Real Madrid, especially Klopp, who you know who's finally keen on winning his Champions League. Uh, I mean, he has a lot of writing on this project, and Liverpool have a lot of writing on him as a coach, and and this team is built built around, uh, you know, Coutinho leaving basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this would definitely be the opportunity for Real Madrid to, you know, get a lesson taught to them, I suppose. But yeah. but yeah, it, it's been really overhyped. Uh, this Real Madrid team that's the best <laughs> one ever, or, you know, the one that's going to win three in a row. Mm. It's set up for a Ramos 94th yeah, minute of course, head. Yeah. And then for Cristiano to go celebrate yeah, himself yeah. taking his shirt off. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen in the end. And good Alali will be happy, but you know, uh, we'll be, I'll be bitter, bitter pissed if this happens in the end. Very quick prediction from you, Danny. Oh, Jesus, I'm not good at predictions. Uh, I think it's going to go to extra time. Um, and uh, yeah, probably Madrid in extra time. 3 <laughs> uh, 2 Real Madrid. I'm going to go 2 1 Liverpool. Ooh. I think Liverpool are going to win as well. Yeah. Yeah. Black, have, a, have, a, have a hunch. We're now just 21 days or three weeks in Old Money away from the World Cup kicking off in Russia. Uh, pretty much everyone's named their squads for the tournament now. Um, there's some notable exclusions. We'll start with England, Alex. What did you make of the decision to leave Joe Hart behind? Um, I can't say I was that surprised, to be honest. I was. I, I think he'd have only have gone to be third choice. And for his experience, I'm doing air quotes for, for the <laughs> listener. Um, but his experience is a failure, so I really don't see what <laughs> the point of taking him for his experience was. It's, it's like so, a Mourinho quote. Yeah, so I just yeah, I'm not. I wasn't that well. No, I wasn't that surprised actually. Cause I think Southgate is his own man. He's like Wilshire. You know, he's he's not just picking the old guard because. He's no, I'm, I'm pleased to be honest. That oh. He's doing doing his own things. Fair enough. Yeah, Harry Kane's going to be captain. What 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 do you think of that? Uh, I don't care one bit to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Uh, the <laughs> obsession with who the captain of the England team is just completely goes over my head. Mm. I'd say just give it to the person with the most caps and be done with it. Yeah. So Fair yeah, enough. well done, Kane. 
I read that he got up at six thirty in the morning on his holiday to watch the royal wedding last weekend. Jesus, and that's Christ. you know, <laughs> what a any goodwill I had for the England national team is completely <laughs> yeah. gone now, basically. And then, then he probably tried to claim the whole engagement was down to him. <laughs> Daniel, talk to me about Argentina. No Maro Icardi or Lautaro Martinez. What the hell is going on? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a it's a problem of spoils up front for Argentina. It's probably the one line they have a really decent team, a decent squad at. I mean, they're bringing big names, but yeah, I mean, Icardi is is more of a fallout thing with Messi that's sort of like the rumor that, that the press are trying to build around uh, that Messi has this huge say within the squad and his relationship with Mauricardi is not necessarily the best I think it has a lot much, much ha, ha, it has much more to do with the fact that Icardi is a very disruptive sort of guy and that in a World Cup you need to have your squad fully focused and mm. someone that might you know piss off a, a former you know team player or something might not be your best bet I, I would have taken him regardless and Lautaro well I just think uh I don't know. They're just not fully impressed with him too quite soon. yet. Yeah, too soon. It's that sort of case, which is sad because, well, you know, Maradona was the too soon kid. Mm. Messi was the too soon kid. So it's kind of sad to see like Theo Walcott was the too soon. Kid. <laughs> yeah, him too. But uh, yeah, Argentina has this, this sort of like tradition now of not taking their best youth players on their first try for whatever reason, just because it's too soon. But mm. you know, next World Cup will come around and he'll probably make the squad. So Sergio Romero is out with injury. Who's going to be in goal? Uh, it's an open race, I think. Uh, logic would would indicate would be Armani because he's having an amazing season at River, but I think uh, it'll end up being Caballero because he's San Paoli's guy. Mm. So, yeah, it's probably the way it'll work. Big Willie style. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, uh, a few big names left out of the French squad as well. Anthony Martial, Adrian Rabiot, Kingsley Coman, Alexandre Lacazette. Do they just have too many good players? Is that the problem there? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's That's a nice problem to have, but I think... We we tend to focus on that and the players left out. And the thing I always warn in these tournaments is it's actually not about depth at all. So we're impressed because France have all these amazing players in these attacking positions. But it, it's it's really about the best 11 and then maybe one or two difference makers on top of that. And if you look at their best 11, I'm not convinced it's as strong as people think it is, mm-hmm. uh, given the, the, the names who are left out of the whole squad. And they've got Deschamps. Yeah, well, that's that's another, yes, sorry. It matters what your best 11 is and who you're managing. Uh, Spain are going to be leaving Marcus Alonso, Javi Martinez and Alvaro Morata at home. And do you have sympathy for Morata in particular there? It's been a uh, tough It's been a tough year for him, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not a pity race. It's the World Cup. Uh, mm. He beat, Lopetegui did the obvious thing. I mean, he saw in Iago Aspas a player that was scoring amazing amount of goals in the Liga. He's the highest scoring Spanish player in Liga right now. He was a really good choice, really. Uh, I would I would have done the same thing. Uh, Javi Martinez, I think, for instance, is just a, a thing of taste. Uh, he's done nothing wrong this season. He's had quite a good season, actually. He's versatile. He can play as a midfielder and as a fullback. But uh, I think Lopetegui just doesn't like the guy. And uh, that's the reason he's kind of like pick, knitting and picking Marcos Alonso, I think, is a, is, a, mm. is a similar case as Martinez. But I don't know. I, I, Morata, I could understand why he's not going to the World Cup. Yeah. There were three players that I felt particularly sorry for who aren't go- going to the World Cup. Roger Nangolan, yeah. Belgium. David Luiz. I know he's not been playing at Chelsea that much, but he was a yeah. fundamental part of Brazil's yeah. last World Cup squad, wasn't he? Well, and Sandro Wagner as well. Yeah, I do feel sorry for England. I think that's just Martinez power playing. Mm. He just he doesn't like. He's one of the best he's midfielders in Europe. He's one of the it's best amazing. midfielders in yeah. the world. I'm amazed. In, he's, he he might be in the top 
yeah. I don't know, seven or eight midfielders in the entire world. Definitely, yeah. And this is now the second time he's not in Belgium's squad for the World Cup. It's, That's it's just ridiculous. Personalities yeah. clashing. It's the, it's it's a, I think Icardi, Nangolan, and Wagner are similar cases where the personality was oh. a deci- deciding factor. But I wouldn't put Wagner in the same category. Well, as, no. considering Germany's it, options. It, Icardi I mean, is one of the best strikers in the world. Nangolan is one of the best midfielders yeah. in yeah, the world. Yeah, but Wagner is one of the best strikers in Germany. So and for their mm. realm, I guess. Nangolan would start for Belgium, I think. Wagner would be just a back. Up to Timo Basically, Werner, yeah, Timo Werner would be the, the starting striker. But in, under the logic of the season, you would have taken Wagner over Gomez, for instance. Yeah. But I think the whole reason behind that being that Löw has always been keen on bringing veterans within to the squad to sort of like, you know, father figure the younger ones. Uh, they did it with Weidenfeld last World Cup, who did an amazing job as sort of like an unofficial captain. I'm guessing Mario Gomez and seeing what he did with Stuttgart this season, where he basically came in to be sort of like the godfather of the mm-hmm. squad. He's going to play that role, sort of like to lead in Timo, Timo Werner particularly. And leaving Wagner out, I think, is an answer to that, to not have any, uh, you know, controversial or, you know, really big mouth players in the squad. So he was kind of right when he called out Löw the way he did it. Wrong way, obviously. But he does have a point. I mean, it was de- his attitude was definitely part of the equation there. And Nangolan, I'm pretty sure that was 95% of it because oh, other, so, yeah, there is no other real reason. I mean, he, he probably wow. called out his mother or something because uh, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, how would he? What other reason would he have to leave out a player like Nangolan that he smokes? Martin probably is, more than more than one smokes. So I yeah. think Martin is not being able to look over that is the reason that Belgium aren't going to do anything at this World Cup. I couldn't agree more. I think it's it's they're going to underperform because yeah. of the coach, not not any other reason. Yeah, what a shame. Um, a European club are about to break a World Cup record this summer by sending the most, the highest contingent of players to the World Cup ever. Yeah. Any idea who it might be? I've read your article, Dan. So I'll let you Barca? No, no, no. It has to be a small club from like a Eastern European country or something like that. <laughs> You're wrong. You might oh, be right on the small uh, club from but... <laughs> yeah. PSG. It's Manchester City. Manchester City. Oh, 17 players. So it was a small... Oh, just 17 <laughs> City players are going to the World Cup this summer. Previous record was 15 set by Arsenal in 2006. That's Amazing. impressive. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Isn't well, it? I mean, you spend 500 million in one transfer window. <laughs> yeah. and just make that number to, you know, go I read up. another good stat about the World Cup last night as well. Apparently 3.6 billion people watched the 2014 World Cup, which is about a billion more people than were alive for the first World Cup in 1930. Wow, wow that's a good yeah. fact, man. Isn't it? Stats. <laughs> yeah, powerful. Um, I've asked this question on the podcast at various times over the course of the past few months. I'm going to ask you now. I don't want any pussyfooting around. I want one answer from you. <laughs> Who is going to win the FIFA World Cup in Russia? Vladimir Putin. <laughs> uh, Brazil. Germany or Brazil? I mean, I, I said one answer. Germany yeah. then. Yeah. Spain. Ooh. Or Putin. <laughs> Dan? England. No. <laughs> Germany. Germany, I reckon. Uh, well, that's about it. That's our 100th episode. Uh, we hope you liked it. We hope you'll keep listening to us because there's plenty more where that came from. Thank you to my studio guests, Danny, Alex and Danielle, to our faithful producer, Damo, and of course, to you for listening at home. Ciao for now. <laughs> <laughs>